Today we're going to begin a special evangelistic sermon series titled, Don't Miss Christmas. You received a little invite in your bulletin, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that later in the message. And the reason it's titled, Don't Miss Christmas, is because of the hustle and bustle of the holidays. And if we're not careful, the hustle and bustle can easily hijack our attention. Someone once said, Christmas, according to the world standard, often turns into a real hassle. You are rushed and pushed for time. You spend money you don't have for people you don't even like to acquire things they don't even want or need. End quote. Uh, Sadly, the world can have a tremendous influence on the way believers think about the holiday. And like it or not, there are countless preparations that need to be made. Travel plans. Booking flights, renting cars, packing warm clothes, meeting work deadlines before the year ends, planning time with your in-laws and outlaws and extended family and making sure that you go to see grandma and line up a time to visit her so she's not disappointed, buying gifts for everyone, sending out Christmas cards, hanging Christmas lights, getting the tree set up, and all the decorations. All the preparations can seem overwhelming, can't they? I think we're honest. It's, a, it's just an onslaught of, of, of preparations. And somewhere in the midst of it all, the greatest preparation that needs to be made gets pushed further and further out of you. And I'm talking about our spiritual preparation to worship and focus on Jesus Christ. And if our hearts are not adequately prepared, just like the world, we can easily miss Christmas and be consumed by all the worldly distractions. And so the goal of the sermon series that we're launching today is to spiritually prepare us for Christmas by sharpening our focus on Christ and all that he represents during a season that often distorts his person and his work. And to do this, we're going to look at various passages Uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, starting this Sunday, extending all the way to Christmas Sunday. And we'll consider different elements of Christmas that will actually serve as memory hooks for us and the spiritual lessons that we learn in the process. Christmas lights, Christmas trees, Christmas colors, And Christmas gifts, those are four common elements associated with Christmas that will serve as illustrations as we focus on Christ's person and work. And I've shared um, a a Christmas Eve message in the past that kind of has highlighted some of these things, but to prepare our hearts fully, I opted to do a sermon series on it during the month of December. And I'm hoping that it will encourage you in great great measure. Today's message is titled, The Light Behind Your Lights. Christmas in our culture involves many different lights. On Monday this past week, when my twin brother was in town, we were blessed with the opportunity to go to Disneyland because he got tickets for us. And so that was, was a great time for our family. And the entire theme park is decorated for Christmas. What do you think was the most popular Christmas decoration? Yes, because you're guessing, and you know where I'm going with this. It was 
Christmas lights. Yes, lights. It was stunning to see the full display after the sunset. And I took a picture of my brother and his family in front of It's a Small World. And I, I wanted to just capture a little bit of it so you could see it. Beautiful picture, huh? The lights aren't bad either. No, they're, they're a handsome family. Um, but, but pictures never do anything justice. I'm realizing that now as I put this up. Um, and, but you can just kind of gain a sense of all the lights that are, are around there. And it's just, it's just it, they're captivating. They're just stunning. And so I would share this if you've never had the opportunity to visit Disney uh, during Christmas time. It was a first time for us. It was absolutely extraordinary. Aren't those lights amazing? All right, that's enough of that picture. <laughs> but just about anywhere you go from this point forward, you're going to see Christmas lights. And I did a little research on them to, to understand a little bit more about the tradition that started apparently in Europe that began with candles being placed on evergreen trees. It wasn't until the early 1900s that lights became more popular because candles proved to be a great fire hazard when placed on evergreen trees. Go figure, right? <laughs> trees drying up and then putting a candle on them. So lights eventually became a safer option. Now it's nearly impossible for the world to celebrate Christmas without lights. The largest Christmas tree in the world, according to Guinness World Records, stands 278 feet tall and is located in Rio de Janeiro. It is illuminated, check this out, with 3.3 million lights. It is estimated in the United States alone that there are over 150 million Christmas light sets sold every year. And that's just in America. Never mind Rio de Janeiro and, and, and just the one tree with 3.3 million there. We can only imagine uh, across the globe and all the other countries, the, the billions of other Christmas lights that exist. And it dawned on me that we can use this to our advantages as we, as we represent Christ as ambassadors during the holiday season. There is one light that is truly most significant. There is one light that should, we should focus on as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas. It is the light behind your lights. It is a light that never burns out. It is a light that has always existed and that can never be extinguished. It is a light that gives life. It is a light that is so powerful and so radiant that it will shine brightly for all eternity without ever flickering. How can focusing on this light prepare you and I spiritually for our Christmas celebration? How can it help us understand so much of the confusion that exists in our world's understanding of Christmas that focuses on material possessions and Santa Claus and red-nosed reindeer I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, and we're going to study the opening five verses of John chapter 1, and I want to start by reading our passage together. John chapter 1, verse 1, says this, In the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Please pray with me, and let's ask God to bless our study of his word. Gracious Father, we bow our heads asking for you to enlighten our understanding. Help us to see with great clarity the the light that matters most during this Christmas season. I pray for this series as we, we focus on the light of Christ and the glorious truths of the gospel and the reality that Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth to make a way, to connect us, the light, to connect us to the eternal light of your presence, which we'll learn about today. Father, I ask that you would allow us to remove impediments from our thinking. And as we've already indicated, there are so many distractions that compete for our interests and for our attention. The world tugs at our hearts, and it's a spiritual battle. I pray, Father, that you would allow the truth of your word to persevere, and that your Holy Spirit would accomplish your purposes by allowing us to be the most prepared that we possibly can be for this holiday season. Would you use these opening verses from John chapter 5 this morning to challenge our hearts? May they be a source of of encouragement, a source of gratitude for us as we consider what you have in store for us. We commit all of this time to you, asking that you would bless it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, this really is the best passage for us to start with, to focus on Christ at Christmas, because it takes us all the way back to eternity past. The purpose of this passage and of John's gospel account is to emphasize the deity of Christ. It's the theme of the entire gospel account. John 1, 1 through 5, will also help us celebrate the light of Christ's person and work through two defining attributes, which I have listed for you in your outline. First, we'll look at the eternal nature of the light in verses 1 and 2, and then the eternal power of the light in verses 3 through 5. And all of this is so that we can see the true light behind our Christmas lights. The Apostle John, led by the Holy Spirit, first focuses on the eternal nature of the light in the opening two verses. Verse 1 starts by saying, in the beginning. And it doesn't take long. You hear those words, those three words. Typically, we don't think of John 1.1. We think of Genesis 1.1, right? Eerily reminiscent of Genesis 1.1. But here we need to see that John is taking us back further than Genesis 1.1. The Genesis record is merely taking us back to the beginning of creation. John 1.1 right here is taking us back before anything was ever created. What existed before anything else was created? 
We know, right? This may seem like an elementary Bible question, but the implications are critical so that we understand the creative order at the most fundamental level. There is a creator who is responsible for creation. And John 1 helps us see who it is. Verse 1 continues by saying, In the beginning was the Word. The Greek word translated, word, here is logos, and is a direct reference to Christ used three distinct times in this opening verse. A fourth word reference is going to take place, and you can look down to verse 14 where it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so there's a hermeneutical principle, a principle of interpretation that we can apply called the analogy of Scripture. And we could translate this opening verse this way. In the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. And this captures the emphasis that the Apostle John was trying to put on Christ's deity in these opening two verses. And the theological depth behind these, these opening verses is absolutely extraordinary. One commentator that I, I read said that an entire seminary semester course could be taught on these verses alone. They're absolutely extraordinary. But to serve you and our purposes this morning, I want us to see that the logos and the light are both pointing to Christ's deity. The Apostle John uses both of these terms to identify Christ. He is the word, logos in the Greek, and he is light, phos in the Greek. And both are emphasizing Christ's deity. Why does John use different words if they're both pointing to Christ's deity? The short answer is that he was led by the Holy Spirit. The longer answer is that each word serves a unique purpose. Logos is used for the purpose of distinction. And it designates Jesus as an individual person within the Godhead. While light is used for the purpose of likeness. and connects Jesus and unifies his existence within the Godhead. You got to track with that. That's the purpose, right? Logos, unique. Jesus Christ is the incarnate word, the second person of the triune God, right? But then there's also the reality that Jesus is false. He is light. And as we're going to learn in just a little bit, that's represent of the, the entire Godhead, of all three persons being God, is light. The Apostle John was led by the Holy Spirit to record a similar record in 1 John 1.1 when he wrote, What was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John shares a personal testimony that he and the disciples experienced when it came to the ministry of Jesus as what we have heard, what we have seen and looked at, what we have touched as, as it relates to the word of life, the logos the unique second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ. He then goes on to describe our fellowship with the Father and the Son and records in 1 John 1.5 that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And he uses the term uh, theos for God because it's a general term that could re refer to God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. 
Each member of the Trinity can be referred to as a God of light. The doctrine of illumination and the illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit is commonly understood by most in the church because the Holy Spirit is an agent of light. James 1.17 describes God the Father as the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, right? Most familiar with that verse. And then here we see today Jesus is referred to as the light. The Trinity is a God of light. But if there's one passage that I believe completely captures our first point on the eternal nature of the light, it's Revelation chapter 22. Last chapter of the Bible. I want to invite you to turn all the way to the end. And this really gives us some insight as to what heaven will be like, so it will encourage you in that regard as well. Revelation was also written by the Apostle John. As the Lord allowed John to see and record visions to help our understanding. And in the Gospel of John and in the letter of 1 John, the Apostle describes God as light. And now in Revelation, in the last book of the canon, and in the very last chapter, John fittingly records this vision in Revelation 22, starting in verse 1. Then he showed me a river of of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Now look at verse 5. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have a need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Right? No flashlights in heaven. No reading lamps necessary. Not even the sun for growth. And we're going to learn more about this, not as we, as we transition from the, eternal, uh, the, from the eternal nature to the eternal power. Not going to need a power source. God will be that power source. And here we clearly see the eternal nature of the light. And there's an important doctrine that helps this passage shed light, pardon the pun, on John 1.1. It is the doctrine of immutability. We've talked about this, I believe I've mentioned it in past sermons. Immutability. Prefix im, like impossible, it means not. Mutate means to change. And ability, of course, means being able. So when we're talking about immutability, it's the doctrine that teaches that God is not able to change or mutate into something that is contrary to his nature. The eternal nature of God is light. And 1 John 1.5 affirms that, God, that, that in God there is no darkness. So when John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and we already learned that both logos and light, phos, 
affirm Christ's deity together, John 1.1 could also be understood as saying, in the beginning was the light. To ensure Christ's eternal nature was understood, notice what John writes in verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. And if you have uh, references, uh, scripture references in, in your Bible somewhere, either on the side or down the middle, you can look over them. And most of them will include what that pronoun he means. It literally means this one. John is affirming his gospel readers that this one, Jesus Christ, was in the beginning with God. He has always existed before anything else came into being. His person and work is also the light behind the lights when it comes to our celebration of Christmas. And we're going to develop this even more in verses 3 through 5 as we consider the second point in our outline, the eternal power of the light. And here we're going to see, I think the subpoints are in there for you, Christ's creative power, Christ's life-giving power in verse 4, and Christ's revealing power in verse 5. Let's start with his creative power. Look again at verse 3. John continues by writing, All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. One commentator shared, When you consider that this verse tells us that Jesus was the creator of the universe, his birth as a baby becomes even more amazing. The creator of creation humbled himself and became a creature in creation. God became dependent upon a human mother. Jesus, who was the agent of creation, stepped out of eternity, laid aside his glory, and entered this world as a human baby. That is the power behind Christmas. That is why the season is not about trees and tinsel, packages and parties, bows and boxes, or meals and mistletoe. The season is about him. He is the maker of creation, end quote. And all God's people said amen to that. Jesus Christ was God the Father's supreme agent involved in creating everything in the universe. And God's word provides testimony of this reality in a, in a couple places. In Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, Here the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, records the following when speaking of Christ's creative power. It says this, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17 He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amazing verses. Not only is Christ the maker of creation, he is the master of creation. In him all things hold together. The writer of Hebrews states that Christ upholds all things by the word of his power in Hebrews 1.3. As one man put it, Christ is the glue of the galaxies. He made it, and he holds it all together. This is the creative and eternal power of the light of Christ. But it's a fair question to ask. What does this look like practically? 
Listen to what one writer shares. Think of it this way. Man can't really make anything that runs as it should. But take a look at our great planet and realize that it does not travel in a true circle. It moves in three directions at the same time. It revolves on its axis, it travels around the sun, and its path is deflected by other planets. Now, some of the astronomers in the room and people who've had the, 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 the courses know those truths, but if you're hearing them like I was for the very first time on this reality, that's stunning to think about. You don't really think about all those things happening simultaneously. Now check this out. Still, it does not lose more than one hundredth of a second every 100 years. That's the precision. We can only say that Jesus is in control, that he upholds all things. Then we look at the building block of this universe, which is an atom, an entity so small that each atom is less than 150 millionths of an inch in diameter. Pretty tiny. If you could take the molecules of a single drop of water and convert them into grains of sand, there would be enough sand to build a concrete highway half a mile wide and one foot thick all the way from San Francisco to New York. And there are 120 drops of water in a single tablespoon. Combine that with the fact that one cell from your body contains 200 billion molecules of atoms. Whether you look at the universe with a telescope and see how big it is, or you look at this universe with a microscope and see how small it is, when you see the order, the symmetry, the harmony, the beauty of all that it is, only a fool would fail to conclude that God did it and that God holds it all together. End quote. So what does this mean for us as we prepare to, to celebrate Christmas this holiday season? It means that God is in control this Christmas. He is in control. It may look like our world is spinning out of control at times, but it isn't. Our world is overwhelmed with presidents and politics. It is threatened by the thoughts of global warming and a, a fragile global economy. Yet believers know that it is all in the hands of he who made it and all things are working toward the purpose which he designed them. Amen. And we've sang that song even as kids, some of us. He's got the, the whole world in his hands. Do you believe that? Well, Pastor John, you don't know your Bible, but apparently, you know, Satan, the, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yeah, this, that, that, that's true, but even, even Satan is a puppet on God's leash, right? Right? We know that. So, so no matter what comes, what fears, what things transpire in, in, in our planet, all the chaos, and I, and I think I can speak on behalf of my, my, my own heart and the hearts of those in our church that this was probably one of the most chaotic years politically and it still continues, right? And there is, is so much turmoil that's taking place. What can settle it? 
What can ground people? What can get people back to just being anchored? It's the light behind the lights. It's the truth about the one who upholds all things by the power of his word. And we can celebrate the eternal power of the light of Christ. Verse 3 showcased Christ's creative power. Now let's consider Christ's life-giving power. Look at verse 4 where John writes, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Christ didn't just create a bunch of inanimate objects. We're, we're testimony of that. But he gave his creation life through his life-giving power. And the word life is used 36 times in John's gospel account. Life can refer to the principle of physical life or to spiritual life. When it refers to spiritual life, it's oftentimes coupled with the adjective eternal life to denote the quality and power of the believer's life, like the infamous verse of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or John 17.3, where our Lord said, This is eternal life, that you, they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Spiritual life was embodied in Christ. And he demonstrated perfectly what eternal life was just even by how he ministered. We see it in his ministry. Christ is the life that is the light of men. In him, God's purpose and life-giving power are made available to men. He is our ultimate hope. J.C. Ryle shares, He is the eternal fountain from which alone the sons of men have ever derived life. Whatever spiritual life and light Adam and Eve possessed before the fall was from Christ. Whatever deliverance from sin and spiritual death any child of Adam has enjoyed since the fall, whatever light of conscience or understanding anyone has obtained, all has flowed from Christ. The vast majority of mankind in every age have refused to know him, have forgotten the fall and their need, their own need of a savior. The light has been constantly shining in darkness. The majority have not comprehended the light. But if any men and women out of the countless millions of mankind have ever had spiritual life and light, they have owed all to Christ. End quote. And we celebrate that as a church. We, we recognize that reality as we exalt Christ and exalt the gospel just even through the songs and the, and the worship that we sing, even the melody of our hearts of the spirit-filled life. There is a, a life-giving power that flows out of the person and work of Jesus Christ through the gospel. How can someone get connected to this life-giving light and power? Scripture tells us that there is one mediator one, one way, and it is through Christ, and through Christ alone. This sets us up perfectly for our third and final sub-point. We have featured Christ's creative power, Christ's life-giving power, and verse 5 concludes with Christ's revealing power. Look at it with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
This is a sobering spiritual reminder for us as we prepare our hearts to, to talk about Christ and to point people to the light behind the lights this Christmas. Unbelievers live in a state of spiritual darkness. And, and not only that, but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. This is the truth of their condition. A farmer years ago was trying to teach his son the ways of life on a farm. So he took his son out to the hen house, grabbed a chicken and said, Son, your mama wants a chicken for dinner, so you know what we have to do. With that, he cut the chicken's head off, and the chicken began to flop around on the ground. The little boy's eyes got wide with amazement, and he said, Daddy, look at that. That there chicken is dead and don't even know it. It's truth. Through that little uh, Illinois accent that I grew up with in, in there as well. But it's true, right? And that's the, the spiritual condition of the unsaved that we, we see they're dead and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. And just the way that Christ used his revealing power through his word and the gospel to reach you by having someone witness to you, now it is your turn and my turn to be his witness for those who are still unsaved. Jesus came so that dead men could live. And when a dead person a lost person meets Jesus. He passes from death unto life. And Jesus says these words directly in John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Does this describe your spiritual condition? Have you passed out of death into life? Are you trusting completely in Christ alone for your salvation? Have you cried out to God for forgiveness? Not for a sin, but because you're a sinner. It is who you are by nature. And just like that chicken on the ground, flopping there is no hope there is no hope except for the gospel only god can give life only god can breathe spiritual life into you have you cried out to god for forgiveness for being a sinner and committed all your ways to christ as your savior and your lord you know, one of the truest marks of a born-again believer is the profound burden that God puts on the heart of the saved for the unsaved. You know that? And, and it's true. Why? Because if you think about it, just even with the totality of Scripture, we can think about um, just how God works in such a way that our desires align with his desires, Right? And does God care about the lost? And does God want to reach the lost? <laughs> so, so much so that he did send his only son to pay that ultimate price, right? 
And, and the effect is on our heart as well. That God changes the heart and burdens the heart for the lost. I began this message talking about Christmas lights and how we can use them to our advantage as ambassadors of Christ during the Christmas season. There's one light that is truly most significant when it comes to our celebration of Christmas. It is the light behind your lights. And it's my hope that Christmas lights will serve as our spiritual reminder after this message that we've heard from John 1. Listen, the Lord, he's okay with you hanging up Christmas lights, okay? We, we, we get that. But can I, can, I, can I go a step beyond? He doesn't want you just hanging up Christmas lights. He wants you to be a Christmas light. Amen? He wants us to be a Christmas light. And so what does this look like practically? Well, you'll notice in your outline that I, I, I put in, I called it a light homework assignment, okay? It's not d double entendre right there, double meaning right there. It's, it's a light homework assignment. You know, it's like t-ball. Did anyone, raise your hand if you got a chance to play t-ball growing up. Anyone? Okay, all three of you. Um, <laughs> It'll still work, but basically, you know, when, one of the hardest things to do in all of sports, it's, it's proven, one of the most difficult things to do in all of sports is to hit a baseball coming at you, especially when they throw them 100 mile an hour, right? It's very, very difficult. I mean, you got to focus, and it's just like, oh, i gotta, got to get this, i got to get this. And actually, if you tense up, it works against you, so you have to actually learn to relax in the process. But in t-ball, you know what they do? It's just stopped. They just set it up, man. They just put it right there, give you the bat in your hand, and they say, go to town. Just whack it. Just, just hit it out of the park. Hit it as hard as you can, right? That's, that's, that's T-ball for you. This is this light homework assignment. This is just T-ball right here. Look at number one. Prepare to be a Christmas light. And I'm not talking about a literal light. We're talking about spiritual lights here. Got some young people in the room, so I just don't want you going home and, and um, trying to work your way onto the Christmas tree to, Pastor John said, be a Christmas light. No. Um, we're talking about a spiritual light. This is what I want you to do. Just as you have some time with the Lord this week, as you spend some time, quiet time with him, I just want you to think about this reality. I want you to, to write down and just prayerfully consider how he might have you serve as a spiritual Christmas light in the coming weeks, okay? Now, it's a possibility that you, you might draw a blank, and you're just like, I still, I, I still don't know where to go from here. I, this is where two through four come into play, and, and I want to help you. The next thing that you can do is read and meditate on the 16 light verses in the Gospel of John. And you say, well, Pastor John, I don't really know where the 16 light verses are. Well, I, I did the work for you, all right? Again, T-ball. Here we go. Set up for you. All you got to do, the references are right there for you. 1, 4, 1, 5, 1, 7, 1, 8, 1, 9. Then a couple chapters later, 3, 9, 19, 20. I don't need to read them all. But they're just, they're nice and spaced out in the gospel for you to see. And I had a chance to go through it, and it was, it was such an encouragement. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you'll do this, if you'll meditate on these light verses, the Lord will light an evangelistic flame within your heart. He will. 
Because it, it, it will have you recognize just how the lights had an impact on your own life, and it will burden you like God is burdened for those who are still in spiritual darkness. Number three, prayerfully consider who you can share your CBC invite with. Ah, when you came in, you got the bulletin, right? And there's a little invite in there that's just talking about the, the sermon series that, w- that we launched today. And let me just share with you, we're gonna exalt Christ and, and the gospel all the way leading up to, to Christmas. And this isn't about getting people to Cornerstone. This is about the reality that during the Christmas season and one other season, the Easter season, that there's a greater probability that people are willing to actually go to church on a Sunday. So would you just take some time and, and consider who you can give the invitation that you received in your bulletin today that, that you can bless it. Maybe it's an a, a unsafe family member, a coworker, someone at, at the gym in your, in your workout class, whatever it might be. Um, invite them. And, and it's not a matter of just saying, hey, I wanted to give this to you. But, but allow your words to be burdened for them. I, I really want you to come. I'd really love it if you would come uh, visit, visit and, and meet my church family, right? And the Lord will use it. He'll use us all together. That's how we work together corporately. So this is, the, 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 the series is lending itself so that they don't miss Christmas. These messages that we're gonna hear this month will exalt Christ and the gospel and their need for salvation. And Lord willing, they're also gonna help us to prepare spiritually so that we can just fully enjoy uh, and celebrate the joy of Christmas. Fourth and finally, there's one last one on there. Think of strategic ways that you can pursue someone with the gospel over the Christmas holiday. How can Christmas lights serve as your platform? right? We, we make an effort, a concerted effort to hang them up. You go over to people's houses, maybe even to unsaved people, they still have Christmas lights up, don't they, right? How can you use those lights? How can you uh, point them to uh, the, 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 the nature of the light? How can you point them to the power of the light, the eternal power of the light behind the lights. All I know is that God will uphold us by grace and faith as we do our very best to be witnesses for his glory during this Christmas season. And it all starts today. It starts with our heart preparation. Amen, church? Amen. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for um, just the reality of what your word has brought to bear how even the light of your word has been used to illuminate our path for our ministry. I pray, Father, that you would continue to cultivate within every heart of every member at Cornerstone a deep and abiding burden for the lost. And we're surrounded by lost people. There are so many that are unsaved. And you have called us to be a Christmas light. You you don't want them to miss another Christmas. You want us to pursue them with the light, with the light of Christ and 
the glorious gospel. Please help us to do that. Help us not to lose sight of it. Protect us from all the, the, the worldly things that are going to try to interfere with our spiritual course. Maybe it'll involve us getting up a little earlier. Maybe it'll involve us praying a little bit harder, more consistently during the season. Whatever it is, would you bring those things to bear in our understanding so that we can make this the best possible Christmas that we've ever had? That's my prayer for our church family. We pray that you'll continue to use the messages in this series to encourage our hearts spiritually so that we can have a great impact. Help us to walk in faithfulness to you. That's our desire. We commit our works to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.